0: Somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co author, co futurist, and co host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil, how are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Wednesday. How are you, my friend?
1: Man, I'm doing great. We are continuing an amazing week. Uh, this week, right even though it's it's, we it's on Wednesday remote. and
0: it's amazing, but that's no exception this week because we're all amazing <laughs> right. all this week. In fact, if you ask me how I'm doing, the answer should be better than you think right that that would be one way of <laughs> one way of putting it because we're working through a list of topics to be more positive about the future, compiled by Peter Diamandis and the article was called it was over on Singularity Hub, as you can see linked here, Why the world is still. Better Than You Think, New Evidence for Abundance. On Monday's show, we talked about why the global economy is better than you think. And tonight, we're going to talk about why things are developing in the health field that are better than you think. This is great. Peter talks here about the fact that no matter where in the world you are, mortality rates have dropped precipitously over the last 300 years. And he gives a chart that shows life expectancy at birth in various countries and it's one of those just well, it's getting better everywhere. Everywhere you can show, including places that you don't think of as being on a particularly fast economic development trap, like Ethiopia or India, and yet they've got some of the sharpest increases, don't they?
1: Well, you know, in some ways, um, when things are terrible, uh, there's low-hanging fruit available, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can quickly. Uh, you can, he can quickly resolve some of these problems and all of a sudden child mortality can just shoot up. If if some of these very basic things are dealt with in places that are terrible, you can make things great quickly or at least, you know, much, much better, right? So, Absolutely. So uh, I see that as, as sort of the low-hanging fruit of the world is to make things just marginally better in some of the worst places can just, uh, you know, skyrocket, uh, um, you know, Good things for that area of the world, and and then and then that accrues to everywhere else too. So it's good stuff. That's right. It's interesting. Two countries have a big dip right
0: around the middle part of the century on this on this chart. One is Germany. One is Japan. So yeah. obviously the well that was the war was
1: the outlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The war, war was
0: hard on life expectancy. I think if Russia were listed here. They took so many casualties in World War II that they would also show a big a big plunge, like that. Right. But look how fast they recovered. Look at how fast Japan recovered for life expectancy, and of course they're leading the world on this chart. They're they're number one, and they they were in last place about seventy years ago on this chart, and they're in first place now.
1: That's quite a turnaround. It pays not to be at war for one thing. But there you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, but but also it also pays to and invest in your, uh, in your own infrastructure and in your people, which is what they've done since the war, right? I mean, they um, arguably are the uh, most advanced technological nation in the world. That's right. Including the United States. So, kind of
0: shown us the way and yep. continue to in a lot of ways. A lot of dem- demographic issues there, but we're not getting into that because we're going to talk about good health news. And here's Peter Diamandis' first example story, plummeting teen births. That's an interesting way to measure national health, and I wouldn't have thought of that. But he shows how teen births are down an impressive 51% over the last decade, going from 41.5 births to 1,000 teenage girls in 2007 to 20.3 births per 1,000 teenage girls in 2016. That's quite a
1: significant drop, isn't it? And it has a huge impact. Um, A a girl that has a baby that young... um, is going to be struggling to climb out of poverty for probably most of her adult life after that and uh and then you know and the and then uh, the child that's in that uh in that home uh will will probably have, be at greater risk of struggling as well yeah. so if, if that if that problem is is getting better and it obviously is according to these numbers then um you know it's just it's a virtuous cycle that can continue. So good stuff.
0: Absolutely. It's, one, it's wonderful. It's a, it's, a, it's a health factor that also increases economic well-being. And, of course, economic yeah. well-being is one of, one of the best ways to not be sick is to be rich, right? I mean, it's, it really yeah. helps a lot. The better off you are economically, the healthier you're likely to be just because of diet, because of lifestyle, because of medical resources that are available to you. So you improve, you, you improve this one area of health, and suddenly you 've improved the economic well being and that improves all other areas of health. Fantastic news. How about this one? exponential tech impact on health and here 's some good ones. okay Peter finally hits his stride in this article here. I think this is th- this is where we we talk about a lot of these kinds of things on the show. He gives an example on robotics It says last month a robot dentist in China successfully implanted 3D printed teeth into a female patient's mouth with high precision. The only human medical staff involvement was to conduct light setup and a pre test. Imagine when such robots are in every healthcare facility on the planet delivering service for the cost of electricity. Of course, wow. some nervous Nellies will say, Well, what happens to the dentist then? And indeed, it might be one. One dentist with a huge practice and 11 robots in there, possibly. That's entirely right. possible that you might end up with. Just as currently you have one dentist with a whole slew sometimes of hygienists, right? You've got three or four people getting their teeth cleaned, and the dentist pops in. How's it, How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? Nobody needs a cavity filled? Okay, great to see you, right? See you in six months. This is, this is the same kind of thing. How's it going? The robot's got you? The robot's got you? Oh, the robot can't do this? I'll step in, right? It, I, I'll it, jump in. Yeah. Yeah. Um
1: and and it, there is some truth to this that yeah you know there're going to be uh, a need for fewer dentists and so maybe some dentists that were marginally good you know that just had marginal practices you know what i'm saying they're just they're they're the, they're the average schmoes of the dental profession that are you know have a job now they might be forced out by the guys that are at the top of their field okay yeah uh, and 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 a slew of robots right um, so yeah, it's it's you know it'd be a bad time to be a, a, a middle ranked uh, uh, dentist perhaps, but uh, if everybody in the world basically uh, ultimately has better dental health, then you know small price to pay. Uh, well,
0: I mean it's unfortunate, but it's a great time to have teeth. Yeah. You know what? It's a great time.
1: <laughs> it's always to, a good time to have teeth. But to, yeah. to need help, you I know, know
0: if you if you're gonna have if you're gonna have teeth <laughs> that need some work. We're going into a very good era for you. Okay, that's all. I, that's all right. I can say. And since we all have teeth and they all need help, yeah, win. it's a win for it's a win for Team Human. There, uh, unfortunate for the mediocre dentist, but hey, we're going to find something they're better at anyway. It's going to work
1: out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. They can find another field uh, that they can probably, you know, uh, do better in. But uh, you know, I, I was thinking about exponential trends. Uh, when I started uh, as an attorney twenty years ago, Phil, there was a the cost of MRIs ran uh, about three thousand five hundred dollars in ninety seven, right? For an MRI, okay. Um, the negotiated price nowadays here here in my hometown of Shreveport is a little less than four hundred dollars. There you for go. An MRI. Wow. And and they are much better MRIs. Right. The magnets uh, in the uh, in the original units back in ninety seven were uh, were not nearly as powerful, and uh, the ability to detect has gotten better too. So, so as the power of the magnets have gone up, and the ability to detect has gone up, the price has shot down at the same time. And
0: the the most impressive thing about that, it's still a health service, which means even yeah. at four hundred dollars, it's inflated up the wazoo, right? It's it's ridiculously bad oh, yeah. yeah, with it, cost. That, really,
1: if, if if it were any other field, it'd probably be a you know a, a fifty dollar deal. But right, not, right, But here's it's um, the, the cool thing about this bill is that MRIs are being shot now of things that that you would never dream of shooting an MRI of back in ninety seven. Right. You know. I mean. They, so they're doing a lot more MRIs and they're finding problems uh, that they would not have found before. And that you know improves people's lives. If you if if you're hurting and you're saying, okay, doctor, it hurts me in this way, and the doctor, because MRIs are not are non-existent, you know, thirty years ago, or they're too expensive, twenty years ago, right? And maybe you just don't have that, and you just you know, uh, well, um, here's a pill to pop or whatever, and uh, we'll see you in the we'll see you in a month. Nowadays, they find the problem, and they go, hmm, okay, this is something a week with. Um, Perhaps we can do a microdiscectomy, which is just a—I mean, just a tiny little cut—to that, that, do a surgery and and you know get people out of pain. These are things that happen now because you know they're 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 uh, finding out what the problem is thanks to the plummeting price of MRIs.
0: And you think about that, and you just multiply it by everything, right? Because we yeah. say doctors, we say dentists here, but multiply it by ER doctors, by every me- medical specialty you can think of, because it. It all follows suit. Eventually, you see the same thing happening in, in every doctor's office. And I love what you said about MRIs because this is so true. We've got better technology, and doctors can see things. They can look for things they, they weren't looking for before because they can see things they couldn't see before. And one of the things we'll be talking about when we switch it over to our side is we've recently discussed the fact that artificial intelligence, machine learning, can see a lot of things that even doctors can't see, right? So suddenly, right. you've got this virtuous cycle where the MRIs are getting better, and the technology that's looking at the mri is better than a human
1: yeah Th- things can really get better there i mean that's, that's and, and the uh and the uh you know ai comes back and says here's why this person has got shooting pl- pain down their right leg it's right, right here exactly and um uh, and so you know that's uh that's that's awesome you know when uh when you can find out what's wrong and, and then and then get to fixing it. Because there's just so, so many problems before, you know, people just lived with because there wasn't a good way to see what was wrong. Absolutely.
0: Now we're seeing a, a, an exponential increase in capability and, I mean, what you just described is an order of magnitude reduction in cost. Let's just yeah. see that happen across the board and suddenly we've got what some might call, quote, unquote, affordable health care. Who knows? Okay, here's the next one. Virtual reality. VR is also entering the operating room. In July 2017, University of Minnesota doctors used VR to prepare for a challenging non-routine surgery, separating a pair of twins conjoined at the heart. Not only was the life-saving surgery a success, the VR prep gave doctors unforeseen insights that prompted them to accelerate the surgery by several months. You know, I read this, and I hadn't even thought about this. Yeah. But this is wonderful. Every time – let me start that again – There is a first time for every doctor to perform any kind of procedure, right? There has to be. If you're a doctor, there's going to be the first time you do something. And you know what? The 20th time you do it, you're probably going to be a lot better than you were the first time that you did it. Right. But there's no getting around it. Except for working on cadavers in med school, you don't get to do it before you get to do it. With VR... Your first time can be your 20th time. Your first time, you can be so much better at this than you would have been going in. It's not even funny. And of course, because the virtual reality environment can provide feedback as we're going, even the very experienced doctors can learn a lot and can become much, much better at what they're doing than they would have been before. I had not even thought about the impact that VR is going to have on surgery, but I think it's going to completely revolutionize how doctors are trained and how much training goes on Kind of spot training in real time, but just right before performing an actual procedure.
1: Think think of something this way: What if you could model a unique problem that somebody has, and that no surgeon would touch it because it's a unique problem? You know, um, like the conjoined twins; uh, they're conjoined by the heart. Uh, right. You know, uh, a few years ago, no one would have dreamed to try to separate. Right. Right. Uh, or, or if they do separate them, well, just just know that one of these twins... yeah we
0: we're, we're like, so that one can live that would be the, so that one
1: do. can live we're going we're going to separate them, and it 'll be this one that probably lives, this one will not right um, and you know that what a terrible calculus to have to make, but anyway that um, but what if you know something a a, a little less you know, a, little, you know, a little less different than that, but uh, you know somebody has a problem. With a thoracic disc, well, that, doctors don't like to do thoracic sur- surgery of the thoracic spine. It's right in the middle of your back because those those are the nerves that go in and control the heart, things like that. And so, you know, you just don't you don't see uh, if someone has a thoracic disc that's messed up, then it just sometimes it just stays messed up because right. of the dangers of surgeries like that. What if you had an AI system, Phil? that could steady your particular problem and maybe do an evolutionary algorithm or something like that to where it is, you know, trying, you know, a million different ways to do this surgery to maximize your the potential of, number one, solving the problem and, and keeping your wrists down. And then it comes up with, you know, on the millionth try, which might be one day into the, into the computer run, it, it, okay, here's the way. And then, you know, that's the system that you turn loose on doing the surgery.
0: Yeah, well, uh, when you think about it, this is how this is how machine learning algorithms learn to play Atari video games. It's how they learn to right. beat the best human player in the world at Go. And it's how they've now learned to beat the best previous software at Go. And it's exactly how they will completely revolutionize surgery, that they will make it possible to perform procedures that were otherwise too difficult or too risky or just... Yep no one wanted to do it kind of kind of procedures they they're going to find new ways through this stuff that we can't even imagine what they are right now because that's how that's how they won go right that's how they that's how they beat atari it's a zero risk situation when you're modeling it online and you can try ridiculous things that are obviously going to kill the patient and then you do the 11,000th ridiculous thing that's obviously going to kill the patient and lo and behold it works better than anything else that anyone's ever tried, right? right. You can't do that in, real, in the real world, but you can do it in a virtual setting, and you can do it if you're a computer who has the ability to operate at a million times the speed that we operate. Right,
1: right. I mean, and by, by the 11th or thousandth time they've done it, they're only a day into the computer run. You right, know I mean? exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's, that's, that's pretty great. And, um, and and so we'll see, a, we'll see a lot of that kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Phil.
0: Absolutely. It's, it's amazing stuff. And the last one here was CRISPR gene editing. And I'll tell you what, we're just going to swap that one over to our list because let's talk about our notes on how health is improving worldwide. We've done a few recent shows on this. We did one, I don't know, a while back. It must have been in May of this year called Anti-Aging Gets Real. So that's, that's good news on the health front, talking about how one of China's top investors put $25 million into a U.S. anti-aging company. And we've done a series of shows since then, actually a series of shows where this has been mentioned. And after blockchain and after UBI, I think anti-aging is the phrase that shows up most often in my Twitter feed and my Facebook news feed, right? This this is a phrase we're hearing a lot more, and we're seeing a lot more serious medical activity around anti-aging. Of course, this is good news on the aging front, but it's also good news on just about every other front because treatments for aging end up being treatments for heart disease, diabetes, cancer, everything else. You everything.
1: name it, yeah.
0: You know, all yeah, these...
1: I mean, it- it's better if if you know if you're going to have to fight cancer it's better to do it at age 20 than age 50 in some ways right that's because right you're, you're just you're just, you're you're healthier and you can and your the survivability is so much higher so what if you're actually age 40 right and uh and and and, and because you are uh a a patient that is getting this anti-aging treatment uh, your body uh, reacts like that of a 30 year old Right. Now wouldn't you wouldn't you have a better chance uh of fighting anything else? Uh, answer generally yes. It's a right. another virtue. Uh, you
0: effect. want to prevent cancer. There's there's hardly it if it's possible to do it's it's hard to even imagine a better way to make people cancer proof than just to make them biologically younger. That would be right. the number one thing you could do, right? Heart disease same thing. A lot of these the same thing. I mean there there're two different ways of saying the same thing almost, right? When you talk about right anti-aging, you're almost essentially describing disease resistance. You're you're essentially saying, let's make human bodies much, much, much more resistant to getting sick and breaking down. It means the same thing. Right. We also did a show, this would have been even earlier in the year, I think it was in maybe February, about a new Alzheimer's treatment that fully restores memory function. And we'll talk about the show we did just last week about some medical breakthroughs where we We've we've talked recently about uh, there was a little girl who suffered severe brain damage and was cured of the brain damage. And then just last week we talked about a man who had been in a persistent vegetative state who had been, been brought out of that state. So we're seeing all kinds of evidence that situations where once they would have said it's a write-off, the brain won't work anymore, this person is done, is no longer the case. When you, right. can, when you can wind back from Alzheimer's, when you can wind back from the kind of brain damage that girl suffered from nearly drowning, when you can bring somebody out of a persistent vegetative state, this is a whole new world. And these are just the very beginnings of these kinds of treatments. We're going to see a lot of really spectacular
1: stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the low-hanging fruit with gene editing are the single gene diseases. And um, that is sickle cell anemia, Huntington's disease, there there are a few other diseases like that that a the uh a error in one gene in your body can cause it and you know if uh if we can go you know go and correct that one gene um and do so in a way that hits a certain, a large enough percentage of the cells in your body um with the correction uh then you know the the problem c- could be potentially solved and so um, you know, I look forward to seeing. Uh, so, you know, first the single gene uh, uh, diseases, and then after that, uh, the uh, diseases that are from more complicated. Um, um, they have more more than one gene involved. So,
0: it's going to be very interesting to see if there won't end up being genetic treatments to diseases that we don't think of as, or conditions that we don't think of as genetic. For example, someone may have. Severe heart disease brought about primarily through lifestyle. But it could end up that one of the treatments for that severe heart disease could be some tweaks on the gene code that would right. bring, you know, help bring the heart back to a healthy state and also make it resistant to some of the stuff that was causing damage to it in the first place. In fact, I believe I couldn't find the link for it, but I believe we talked about reversing heart failure earlier this year i couldn't i couldn't find the link i know it's in there somewhere and i'll try to add it to the show notes later but obviously that's right up there with reversing brain damage we've always seen heart failure as a one-way street once the heart stops working as well as it did you can count on it not working as well five years from now if you've got five years left and 10 years from now definitely it won't be working as well as it did that basically it just sort of
1: peters out over time heart damage heart damage is permanent and right, is, right. Is is the old school way of thinking about it? The old
0: school way uh, of thinking of it, a- absolutely. But we're seeing hope on that front, and I think that CRISPR is going to introduce additional hope on that front from probably some unexpected quarters. Well, we also talked about some other stuff on on that same show. We did talk about the guy who'd been in a persistent vegetative state through a vagus nerve stimulation had been restored to consciousness. We also talked about. This might even put the dentist robots out of business, right? Scientists have discovered a drug that fixes cavities and regrows teeth. Will the robots be complaining that that drugs have taken their jobs away? I wonder.
1: <laughs> Less likely to complain. I would.
0: <laughs> well, that's the great thing about robots, you know
1: they'll yeah, they'll be-
0: only complain if you program them with that capability. So <laughs> that's right. But, but that also tends to show you the old Spock's chessboard principle that you've talked about. Right. Over the years, the idea that when we look at progress on any particular axis, we're already missing what's happening on all the other axes—that
1: right. we are not—and and, and, uh, we we may say, "Hey, you know, uh, it's just a matter of time before uh, this particular uh, solution, you know, hits, and uh, we won't have that problem anymore." You know, uh, the, these soldiers that have lost a limb, you know. DARPA is working on the Luke Skywalker project of being able to provide mechanical prosthetics that are nearly perfect, that provide perfect function, just like a a normal hand would or something like that. Well, what if it all gets uh, rendered moot by, uh, you know, a growing understanding of how we can regrow limbs and just have a biological limb there instead of Luke? Maybe we never, uh, never had a Luke Skywalker hand because it 's uh, you know what 's the point when you can have a real hand
0: and not so. to give too much away, and no spoilers, but that was a plot point within a recent episode of the Orville and I thought uh, although the um, ridiculous other stuff that was going on was kind of funny, the yeah. idea that someone has lost a limb and the quickest thing for us to do now is just to put him in to a you know this medical chamber where we can regrow the limb quickly, I think is very much in line with probably how it 's going to work in the in the future, not even the the three
1: hundred years from now future, but probably in the fairly near future that okay. <laughs> you know another spoiler is the very next episode he gets injured in that leg again, right <laughs> <it's a new laughs> i haven't I, I'm not caught up I haven't seen that, so <laughs> okay. that's unfortunate uh, any anyway, rate well i, I ruined ruin one joke for you I'm sorry but it was it was great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: See, I didn't even mention the fact that it was funny, okay, Stephen? So you're just Mr. Spoiler King, all right? That's what you're under.
1: <laughs>
0: I just said it was a plot point. That's all. Okay. Somebody, all somebody right. lost for, a limb.
1: Uh, and I don't think that's funny when people more
0: lose more limbs. Money. So you're kind of a sick person, really, basically. Yeah, that just all around. I mean, that you're, you're amused about. by those kinds of things. Um, anyway, <laughs> well, <laughs> where were no, we? it's
1: a whole lot more amusing if you can grow it back, right? Yes. I mean, immediately. Bonus yeah, I mean, geek out here. Thing. Yes. Yeah. We it, it is
0: it it, it 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 becomes actually that okay now we're well into the well into the episode here but that's kind of the point in the in yeah. the story is could 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 there, could it ever be funny for someone to lose a limb well somebody thinks it is and we're watching it as spectators laughing at it because partly it's a tv show but also partly because they're in a setting where yeah you can just grow it back it's not that big a deal yeah. you lose
1: you, you lose <laughs> yeah, a limb you get, yeah by the end of the episode he's uh you know he's got a, Kind of kind of a floppy foot, but he's all right. You know? He's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll firm it up. Yeah, he'll, he'll be he'll be hundred percent by the following episode, which is where he was. So, you know, um,
0: that's, but the but the know, serious win. side of that is once again something yeah. that has always been a one way street. Yeah. It suddenly, isn't one? I mean, it's a one way street in terms of you lose a limb. Nowadays, at least they got wonderful, wonderful prosthetics, and as you mentioned, right. they're going to get they're going to get better and better. But the idea that you would ever have a leg again wasn't on the roadmap that that wasn't something that people have considered and i think we're we're probably going to see that happen here in the next few years. If I were a guy to make predictions, I would say yeah. next ten years
1: right the, yeah. the, i think there's there's a there's a real chance that in uh, in ten years or so we uh, we we see people uh, able to regrow entire limbs and uh, you know and i i I think also of paralysis patients, you know, the ability to regrow yes. and reconnect, um, uh, you know, a nervous system where, where it's been damaged. That's, that, you know, that's awesome too. So. I,
0: I predict, okay, if I was going to make another prediction, I would say within 10 years, it will be fairly, not, if not routine, it will be fairly well established as one possibility for people who've, uh, who've unfortunately suffered that kind of paralysis that there might be some help for them. And in fact, 10 years from now, they might be working on a backlog of paralyzed people because there will be so many ways of addressing that that we're going to see people who have been paralyzed for a decade or more coming out of it because we've got we've got options available that we just didn't have before. All that's to say, folks, once again if I could just sum it up is the world better than you think it is. And the global economy is one set of evidence for that and what's happening with health is more evidence for that. And we're going to pick this up again on Friday and talk about even more evidence that the world is still better than you think. Looking forward to that. Steven, so hey, you know what? We'll try to geek out there too.
1: Oh, absolutely. Or did Why we spoil we that? that? Did we
0: jump the gun and geek out already?
1: hey um, you know we actually used the Orville to talk about something serious so we're you know uh, that
0: wasn't really a geek out besides we just can't help ourselves so what are you going to (laughs) do all right well great talking with you Stephen great having you all with us we will be back on Friday with a brand new show look forward to being with you then and until next time live to see it